Welcome to another episode of the Blackstock Triangle, an Arsenal podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Brown. Today and with me is Alex. Alex, how are you? I'm good, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. We were just talking before this. The sports were very much sporting this weekend, uh, especially in your part of the world. There was a lot of uh, cricket going on. And I know yeah, you, Chris. you weren't really watching it, but uh, the West Indies pulled off the pretty su- substantial upset. Yeah, I believe it was their first test win in Australia for 27 years, I think. So, uh, big, big, and obviously the Australian Open as well. So, yeah, it's been a big weekend of sport here in Australia. Yeah, and congrats to Yannick Sinner, actually, for coming back from two sets to love down. Uh, As you know, you might know this, Alex. Tennis is kind of what I do to play a sport because I'm not good enough at the football to do that. Uh, But I grew up playing tennis, so... Uh, any of the Grand Slams, important. Uh, but the the men's final and the women's final, they both start about 3.30 in the morning my time. So I have to admit, I don't like watching recorded sports, but I did watch both of those final matches uh, ta- on tape delay. Oh, that's fine. Look, you know what? Just get, as, long as, you, as long as you get your fix. That's the main thing, right? <laughs> and seeing uh, as there was no Arsenal. The, what's that? And seeing as there was no Arsenal playing, it's like, well, you know what? You got to get your sport fixed from somewhere. That's right. So, you know, you get it wherever you can. Uh, England also pulling off the the huge upset in India in the cricket as well. So, just wanted to make note of that. And we can use England then to transition or segue into Arsenal into what has really been a fairly uneventful few days, except. There's some pseudo events going on, but nothing real happening. We'll spend a little bit of time with that, I think. I think we can start with that. Uh, Yesterday, uh, what was it, Sport, noting that um, Mikel Arteta was slated to to head to Barcelona in the the wake of Xavi pulling the Jurgen Klopp, we can talk about that too, and saying he was not going to return to Barcelona after the season, creating a pretty significant opening. It's natural, I think, for outlets to want to connect Mikel Arteta to that job, given his current stature in the game, given his connection to that club. What did you think of those reports? And and was there ever a time that you sort of gave them credence? And I think Sky Sports, same day, actually ends up sort of discrediting those. But was there a time, was there a period yesterday or whenever you were, were looking at those where... You got a little concerned? Uh, probably. When I first, like, the when I initially saw it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, no, this can't happen. Come on. Um, but after probably, I don't know, five, ten minutes of looking at you know, news articles and scrolling through Twitter, I was like, oh, sorry, X. Um, uh, you know, I kind of felt like, no, this is not, this is rubbish. Like, I just felt like it was, it, it felt like it was more gossip rather than an actual proper rumor. But the one thing I, I thought was really interesting was when it was announced, um, a lot of opposition fans were celebrating. So if that doesn't tell, like, for, for you know, there are certain fa- like Arsenal fans who, you know, they don't really want Arteta, but if that doesn't tell you what, opposition fans really think of Arteta, um, then I don't know what to say because, yeah, it's very clear that they actually do rate him because they were so happy that he could have, that he was maybe going to Barcelona. And then when it, when it 
came out a few hours later that no, this is all rubbish. Um, they changed their tone. Oh, well, that's because he's not good enough to go to Barcelona or something. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, no worries. <laughs> no, no, we we saw. Don't worry, we saw we saw your initial your initial uh, you know celebration. So <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of deleted posts going through yesterday. Yeah, abs- yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Classic moving the goalpost kind of moment there. Yeah, definitely. But look, um, yeah, uh, uh, I think one day Mikel Arteta will manage Barcelona. I think that's, I think for sure. I just don't think it's right now. I think, um, I think even he, even if he was actually offered the job, he'd say, no, I've got unfinished business. Because I think he's spent the past, what, four, has it been four years now? Um, or just over four years, four years, one month uh, at at Arsenal, and he's he's built, you know, he's built he's built something, and he, I think he probably wants to see it through. He probably wants to win a major trophy of some kind uh, with this with this team that he has built. Um, and yeah, I just I just think he's got unfinished business, and I think he would want to stay at least for another two or three years. Yeah, it seems like the more likely outcome now, since the, the more and more of the news has come out, is it looks like Arteta's going to sign a new deal with Arsenal. What I would sort of put forward is this is hard to say, and I don't know that I actually believe it, but at this moment, all things considered with both clubs, is Arsenal the better job currently? Is yeah, Arsenal I, the better would, project currently? Uh, well, yeah, I, w- I would say that's probably the case. And I, I think, you know, with the, with the trajectory that Arsenal is on, you know, you think about the amount of commercial deals that we're now making, obviously we're in the Champions League, you know we are on that upward that upward trajectory, uh, and I think Arteta sees that. I think Arteta probably feels as though he's, you know, we're, we're getting to that point where we're probably going to be a staple in competing at the top level. And and look, to be fair, that's thanks to him. You know, we obviously weren't like that when he wasn't at the club. So, yeah, I think. I would say we are the better job. And I would say as well, and this is no disrespect to Barcelona fans, but I would say he's, I would say Arsenal fans are probably a lot more calm and they're not going to hound you out. Like they, they might be upset with you about certain things you do and before certain performances, but we're not the kind of club and we're not the kind of fan base that are going to hound you out. Whilst the Barcelona fans, I mean, look what they've done with arguably one of their greatest players ever as their manager, you know, like it's just, if you're managing Real Madrid or Barcelona, just be ready to like, if you don't, you know, win every game, it's almost like you're going to just get hounded out or you're going to get ridiculed and it's going to, the pressure really is on. So I, and I don't think Arteta probably wants to go into that environment. Yeah. It's such a pressure cooker. You know, if it just, I'm not sure that that kind of scrutiny is healthy for anybody. And I'm not sure how, you know, the only way to deal with it is, like you said, to just be on top all the time. And I, th- I mean, it's like that, I think, in probably most of the top jobs, but it feels, the that sort of pressure feels different. I mean, they're one of probably, the, you know, the two biggest clubs in the world, or, you know, certainly in the top three or four biggest clubs in the world. And, but at the same time, They've had their financial issues. There's still rumors that that what they've done financially is not going to be enough to, to hold on to all of the players that 
they've signed over the past few years. And the performances, you know, if the performances have been there, then Shabby would be stay, staying, but they haven't. And he's not. And the club, I don't know, maybe a classy move to let him announce it himself rather than actually sacking him. But I'm sure that that was really what was happening, right? That that it was a um, leave or you're fired kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So, you know, classy of the club to let him announce it on his own terms, even if it's it's one of those things that everyone knows that it wasn't that wasn't really the case, but we can all pretend that that was the case to sort of allow that narrative to play out. Yeah, but I have no, to say, if if I'm if I'm already managing Arsenal and I've started to you know get the team that I want in place, the investments there from the owners, we just got revenue numbers that have come out over the last week. Uh, Arsenal's revenue up almost twenty five percent. You know, from the last, from last year, they're made, you're like you like you said they're making money you know more money on the commercial side, the match day revenue, broadcasting revenue, everything is on the upward trajectory. I just it I can't and and I, I admit it I'm completely biased here, but I can't imagine leaving Arsenal for Barcelona right now for any sort of reasons other than that was my childhood club and I grew up in that academy and came through, which is unfortunately for us, that is sort of Arteta's situation. And so uh, kind of a relief to hear Sky Sports maybe rubbish that report a little bit. Uh, I, for one, am certainly happy uh, that it seems to sort of be the opposite of the initial sport report and that uh, Arteta likely to extend here. I, I think that what this club is building is, is so positive and so exciting. Um, I just, I, I don't, didn't want something like this to come in and derail it. Yeah. And look, I think if there's one thing we can take out of this is that what world football, okay, fine. Maybe certain fans don't think it, but the football landscape think and look at Arteta and they say, Hmm, this guy's a manager, you know, like it, it, the fact that literally within what, less than 24 hours of, of Xavi announcing it, there were rumors that Arteta is going to Barcelona. I mean, if, you know, it's just, it's quite comical really, but clearly the football landscape rates him. And like I said, I have no doubt he'll go to Barcelona one day. I just don't think it's right now. Um, and look, just, I just want to mention around Xavi, you know, I feel like Barcelona as a team right now, some of the performances, okay, fine, haven't been that good. But I, I would also argue that the way Xavi wanted Barcelona to play, um, he probably didn't have the players to play the way he wanted to play. Um, and, I, and I would also just add, look, Barcelona have always been a very good team. Like even before the Messi, Pep Guardiola era, they were always a very good team. But I do think that Pep Guardiola and Messi have somewhat created a, a bit of a, uh, a an, an expectation, let's say, uh, of Barcelona that is maybe a little bit over, a bit too high, maybe. Um, when you have a player like Messi and you have a coach like Pep Guardiola, obviously, and you start winning your know, Champions Leagues and the Ligas and all this sorts of stuff, and yeah, it, it looks easy, and it probably feel, felt easy for a long time there. But if we're being like really honest, 
and transparent. Barcelona weren't always that kind of club. That club was always Real Madrid. Um, don't get me wrong, Barcelona was always there or thereabouts. And they, you know, they won Champions Leagues and they won the Ligas, but it, they weren't as consistently good as what they have been probably over the past, what, 20 years or at mm-hmm. least 18 years, something like that. Yeah. So, so I just think there's probably an expectation now from Barcelona fans that maybe might not quite be uh, the appropriate expectation, let's say. Yeah, and it feels like it feels like with Barcelona, what you're really talking about here is sort of waves and sort of an ebb and flow in their fortunes. I mean, obviously, uh, they had had some some amazing squads and amazing results going back before this era. But you're right in that it seems like the, the Pep Messi era may have distorted people's view of what should be expected from that club year over year. I did mention that Arsenal. Uh, had increased revenue year on year from from previously from up twenty three percent. Interestingly, uh, only Barcelona of teams in the top ten had posted a bigger increase at twenty five percent. So, but whether the question becomes at that point whether that revenue jump is sort of sustainable given how they achieved it and sort of selling off a lot of uh, you know pieces of that of that club's revenue stream uh, that that might not be paying dividends year on year on year. Um, and so yeah, and I the think... way Arsenal has done this feels a little bit more sustainable. Uh, but... Yeah, and I think, uh, sorry, just quickly, I'll just say, I think for Arsenal as well, like we're in the Champions League now, and I think next, especially the next financial year, obviously the numbers that have come out this financial year have been fantastic, you know, um, and clearly that those numbers are growing. But, you know, if, if we go deep in the Champions League and with, like I said, with some of the commercial deals we're making, I reckon we could probably see a, you know, another twenty-five percent rise in revenue next financial year, and that will put us, you know, probably among the likes of Chelsea and Tottenham. Tottenham, obviously, you know, they've been in the Champions League a lot longer recently than what we have. Mm-hmm. So then, all of a sudden, you know, we're we're earning probably half a half a million pounds a year, and maybe five hundred and fifty, depending on you know some of the commercial deals we make. Um, I know the Adidas deal, I think, is it the Adidas deal? Oh, no, sorry, the uh, Emirates deal, I should say. Uh, the new Emirates deal will come into play uh, as of next season. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be making a lot more money. And if we can just keep building little by little, uh, I think we could definitely become a top, maybe even a top five earner. Yeah, all the pieces seem to be in place for that. And, and that's what you want. I mean, and sometimes that requires a certain amount of patience to build something correctly. And as sport fans and football fans in particular, patience is often in very, very short supply, which is, in my opinion, I think a pretty excellent segue to move into sort of what we talked about as being our, our next topic, which has to do with transfer gossip or a distinct lack of transfer gossip. I haven't heard really anything credible about Arsenal and transfers over the last couple of weeks. And I think this reflects the fact that we will not be moved from whatever plan we've set in motion to do something, uh, you know, sort of reactionary to do something. We saw this last January as well, right? 
when it was there to be taken, we took a more long-term approach. And I'm not sure ultimately whether, you know, that's going to return dividends either. I mean, you're ultimately going to be judged not by the long-term outlook, but how many trophies that you were able to win. And maybe there was one to win there last year had we been able to bolster in January. And a lot of the same fans will be saying the same thing. So first, I just want to know, have you heard anything that you put any credence to with regards to incomings or outgoings over the next, well, we have, you know, two, three days left in the window? No, I haven't heard anything concrete. Um, I think there may be some outgoings, may like one, maybe Cedric Suarez might be an outgoing. Uh, in terms of ingoings, I've heard incomings, I've, I've heard I've nothing. Uh, I have heard nothing. And look, I think it's, it's hard because you could look at it a couple of ways because we did make some signings in the January transfer window last season, right? To try and maybe push us on to win the league and it didn't quite work. You know, we brought in um, Kivior, Trossard and Jorginho uh, and it just wasn't enough. So is it a case where the club have looked at that and said, you know, we're not doing that again. We're not going to, I guess you could argue, half ass the transfers. We're going to just wait until the summer and we're going to get exactly who we want um, and pay those premiums, you know, pay you know, those Declan Rice kind of fees, I guess, um, to get who we, uh, who we know can elevate us. You know, I've spoken on so many previous pods um, trying to get those level raises, you know, trying to bring in those players that are level raises. And I think that's probably where... Arteta, Edu, and maybe the club in general, that's, that's probably where their thought process is, where they're like, you know what, let's just wait until the summer and we'll we'll get the players that we want and we'll just, you know, and we will throw the kitchen sink at it to get who we need. Um, now, that, now that might mean we don't win anything this, this coming season, um, which obviously, you know, not ideal, uh, but it's like six and one half a dozen the other because... I personally don't want us signing uh, players that are sort of stopgap players, I'm, you know, because we've done that in the past and it does not work. We know that it doesn't work. So let's just wait. If, and if it means we don't win anything, okay. Right, I'm happy to wait another season. Um, but I would expect the club, based on the fact that we've got increased revenue, the fact that we haven't spent anything in January, um, I would expect the club to really go out there and spend big and get us two, three level raises, as I mentioned. Yeah, that makes a lot of, it makes a lot of sense, but boy, it, it does, it does put a potential damper on the rest of this season, which we had all kind of hoped would be something to, to build on from last season. I'm not saying that we haven't either. Um, obviously Liverpool got a lot better and made a, a two horse race into a three horse race. And again, some of our more recent results have put a bit of a damper on what really has been a pretty interesting season. But I, I will say two things regarding January business. One, if we put a little bit of hindsight on this, this is something we probably should have seen coming in that we know we spent 
you know, the club spent a lot of money in the summer, as we talked about, and you started to hear some FFP rumblings in terms of, okay, uh, the club has done what it's done. It's probably butting right up against some of those rules. And what I think were the major indications that that, that might have been true end up being uh, the Enkedia and Reese Nelson sign, re-signings. Because, and again, this is all hindsight, right? But, but in rationalization, and it still might be wrong. But what we've seen is... Mikel Arteta re-signed Reese Nelson doesn't seem to want to give him too many terribly important minutes. Eddie Nketiah was pressed into duty with Gabriel Jesus's injury problems, but when Jesus is able to play, we don't see a lot of Eddie Nketiah either. And I think these were probably the stop gaps in that realm. They weren't stop gap transfers. They were, we've got these two players in place that might be able to do a job. It's a bonus that they're both Halen kids. We can re-sign them and then punt the latest line of rebuild down the road a little bit. Because if you, you know, if you sign somebody on even 100K a week on a five-year deal or a four-year deal, you're only talking about a complete total outlay of 20 to 25 million. And you get the services of that player during that time, which is not small change, but it's certainly not forward transfer money, right? It's it's peanuts in the realms of what level raising forwards are going to cost you. And so I think when we put all of that together, I think we see a scenario where we maybe should have been able to foresee not doing a lot of, especially not a lot of like, big business in January. Now, I think maybe we would have expected to see something little, and I think we would have been happy with some outgoings. And and maybe those still come. I, I haven't heard anything on that front really either in many days. So maybe that happens. The other thing I'll say is Arsene Wenger used to, to take a lot of stick for talking about returning injured players being like a new signing, but I do kind of wonder if the news coming out of the club with party returning from injury and Urian Timber making strides in his recovery, um, if maybe we're treating getting healthy as being like a couple of new and decent signings, because I'll, I'll put it to you this way. If this team had been completely healthy the whole season, we wouldn't really be talking about transfer needs except for maybe a new forward, which again, I think the tea leaves showed us was probably not going to happen until the summer. So maybe getting one more mid, getting a new midfielder we haven't seen much of this season so far, getting a defender that we were all so very excited about, and I think rightfully so, that may be back now before the end of the season. Maybe that's our, maybe that's our January transfer business. Yeah, look, I, I agree with all that. I, I mean, um, I think everything you just said there is spot on. I, I, in hindsight, I think we probably should have expected this. I think, 
look, it's probably not ideal. Um, and like you said, it does put a bit of a dampener. But, you know, if you if you open your eyes and you think about how much money the club has spent, and look, and I mean, look, we can get into the conversation about spending $65 million on Kai Havertz, you know, but I feel like that's lazy sort of analysis because although it hasn't 100% worked out yet, it still could. And ultimately, I don't think Kai is, is the only problem that we've been having uh, currently in in this in this team. Um, but yeah, Partey coming back from injury, Drew and Timber making good strides, looking, looking like he might be back even maybe end of next month or something like that. Maybe beginning of March, got you know perfect time you know for the run end of games. Uh, yeah, maybe that's how the club is treating those two players as, as new signings. And and look, the stuff you said about Nelson and and, and Kedia, I agree. I think that's probably why they resigned them. They probably resigned and said, "Listen, these guys can be that stopgap." It's great that they're from the Hale end, and if at the end of this season we decide to sell them, it's a hundred percent profit because they're from the academy. So whatever fees we get for them look very good uh, from a financial fair play perspective. And yeah, and you, and you mentioned financial fair play. And I think a lot of football clubs, including the big ones, including the big six, are sort of looking over their shoulder a little bit, thinking, oh, okay, hang on. Because now that we've seen what they've done with Everton, we've seen the investigation happening with Nottingham Forest. I think they're probably, I think a lot of I think all Premier League teams are now thinking, okay, hang on. No, maybe the Premier League is actually serious about uh, ensuring that Premier League teams don't break financial fair play. So maybe we just got to, let's balance the books a little bit just to ensure that we don't end up losing points or getting relegated or things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're not City. We're not PSG. The The, the amount of money that, that this club can spend is not infinite. Right. Yeah, I mean the amount of revenue that City make, you know, seven hundred odd million pounds. And listen, we can debate as well where they got that revenue from. I'm sure that's you know the hundred and fifteen charges and all that might come, you know, might come up uh, <laughs> in the future. But the reality is, is that they make three hundred million pounds more a year in revenue than what we do, regardless of whether we whether we agree with whether where they get that revenue from or not is irrelevant. That's not what the Premier League aren't going to look at that. We don't make enough. We don't make anywhere near as much. We don't even make as much. We're 200 million away from Manchester United. You know, it just so happens though that they just run very poorly. It goes to show you that money can't really buy you success if, if, if you know, but it, it, that even Man United make, yeah, something like 200 million pounds a year more in revenue than what we do. Uh, and I think that's what Edu and the, and the Arsenal management the senior management are trying to fix with all these commercial deals they're trying to do they're looking you know you think about the new adidas deal you think about the new uh, emirates deal uh and eventually the um stadium naming rights all will come up um that the new, the new emirates deal didn't include that uh it was just the front of shirt and uh i think the training shirt as well so you know we're making these better deals, earning more revenue, and eventually we'll start to get, you know, push our way up a little bit to maybe where we are getting closer to the likes of at least, you know, Manchester United, which I think, you know, we should be maybe not surpassing them, but I think we should be close to them because I feel like, you know, that the, we're one of the biggest clubs in, in the world, especially from the Premier League, 
just like Man United, just like Liverpool. And that's where they are. They're around that, you know, 600 million pound revenue per year mark ish, give or take, you know, 10, 20 million or whatever. Yeah, 100%. You should be pushing long term to be at that level. You should be pushing. And, and yeah. that's, you know, that's the synergistic effect between the commercial side and the sporting side, right? The but, yeah, but also, as well, we, we, we have the fan base out. for it as well. That's the thing. We no, have absolutely. the fan base for it. Like, we have fans that, you know, the amount of view, I would love to see the numbers in terms of the viewers. I mean, even if you have a look at the viewership, right, they, they show those numbers. They say, I think it was the Arsenal-Man City game was the most viewed game this season, and it still is apparently. So, And one of the most all, viewed all, games ever in the U.S. of any sort. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and let's be honest. Let's be honest. Most of those fans are going to be Arsenal fans. They're not going to be Man City fans, are they? Well, I'd like to think not. But it depends on the. It might depend on the age profile, right? <laughs> because yeah, true. Because you know, it, when you're when you're a kid, you know, starting out, a lot of times you're picking based on who's good at that time. My my son, notwithstanding, who became a Newcastle fan the season before their last relegation. So I can't believe that. I, I can't. I cannot. I don't understand. Uh, uh. I don't know. I don't know how you've allowed that to happen, Sean. But anyway, Look, sometimes, sometimes your kids want to want to. Okay, I will say this: sometimes your kids want to think for themselves, but sometimes they want to just think the opposite of what you think. And so, just given my own son's personality, he was never going to love the same teams that I did. The the baseball is the only one. He's a he's a Chicago Cubs fan, also like I am. But it was otherwise never really going to happen because he's, you know how some people just have that personality where they're just going to, they're just going to troll you no matter what you do. And <laughs> he's kind of like that. So, you know, I say up, I'm surprised, sit you, down, I'm surprised you didn't become a Man United fan then if that's the case. That would have been worse, <laughs> especially at the time. It's, it's getting yeah. pretty bad now, but I, I have to, you know, like I said, I have to respect him because, you know, he went through uh Newcastle's last relegation with them he didn't give he didn't give him up he was there before the ownership change um you know and, and we've had we've had those conversations about you know the implications of of ownership of teams and uh I have to respect it I can't yeah that's <laughs> fair that's fair yeah, yeah. I don't you, have to want to get go through relegation then you know what fair play that's right when you're when you're you know just before he was even a teenager and if you're, you know, if you're a kid that's that's under thirteen, and your team is going through relegation, and you stick with them, I, I respect it. I don't like it, but I respect it. Yeah, no, it's fair. But you have a chance, right? You have a newborn. You have a chance. Don't make the mistakes that I've made. You can you can yeah. still make yours go right. It's too late for me. Yeah, I'm gonna you tell you. So I would encourage you. How many? Absolutely, I'm gonna. I'm going to tell do my daughter, listen, any... if, <laughs> sorry. I was no, going to say, do you have any, do you have, have you put her in any arsenal like onesies and, and whatnot yet? Not yet. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. But I, but listen, no, I'm going to tell her, I'm going to say, listen, your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was, it's already gone, but that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. You'll, you, well, with any luck, you'll have another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm already going to tell her, say, listen, you have to be an Arsenal fan. There's no other option. You know, if you're not an Arsenal fan, then I'm never going to talk to you for the rest of your life. 
(laughs) (laughs) You're right. I should have taken a harder line. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I wonder if it's too late to cut him off. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, probably. A little bit. To be fair, Arsenal, he, he does, he wants Arsenal to do well, just not at the expense of, of Newcastle. He, oh. Arsenal is, is the clear number two for him. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, although I have to say that, that I mean, with the way Newcastle are going, that's probably going to change. Uh, when I think Newcastle will be fighting for league titles and we're probably to be doing the same. So I think by then, He's going to be like, you know what? No, thanks. <laughs> That's true. But I'm secretly, I, I, I sort of, I pay lip service to the idea that I support his fandom, you know, and, and, you know, I watch a lot of Newcastle because of that. But secretly, I'm very, very pleased that that project has taken a bit of a hit this season. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And but those, I just have yeah, to laugh I'm, to myself about it because otherwise yeah. there will be strife in the household. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I've got to take my hat off to AC Milan. They clearly knew what was going on, and they were like, "Yeah, uh, seventy million, thank you, and you can have them." <laughs> uh, it's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, just a couple of days left in the January transfer window. It doesn't look like there's going to be any big deals. I think most people maybe secretly knew that going in or sort of whispered it going in. Some people were obviously very vocal about it, but I don't think, I don't think a lot of us expected too much. I, like I said, I would be happy with a couple of outgoings Um, more. Well, not more so than incomings, but in the absence of good incomings, I would be happy with a couple of outgoings, but who knows it, it. It's not like, I mean, on the one hand, we haven't been forced to use Cedric yet, but on the other hand, it's not like we have a lot of fullbacks just sitting around waiting ahead of him at this moment anyway. No, no, obviously not. But I, I still think if we can get him off the books, we should. And I'd rather take the risk, put a youngster in, you know, play uh, play Raw Waters or something, you know. Um, yeah, I just think, I think he's on something like 70 or... Seventy-five thousand pounds a week, Cedric, and he doesn't play. So just like get this guy off the books, you know. I um, cannot play for half that. Yeah, and and you know, listen, I, I like El Nani. I think he's a, he's been a good servant, um, but I think he should go too. But obviously, he's but well, actually, Egypt got knocked out, so of the Afcon. So maybe we might make a deal in the next couple of days. I don't know for him, but. I think if we got rid of Elneny too, sold Elneny, sold Cedric, we could probably save ourselves 120, 125 grand a week in wages, and that can go to someone in the in, you know, in in the summer. Um, so yeah, why not? Yeah, I think the only issue I take is with your word "sell" because I think ultimately it might be "give." I'm not sure that you on, on those wages. I'm not sure that you can get another team to act to pay actual money for them on top of what they might have to do in wages. Yeah, especially Cedric. I mean, look, I think Elneny's a decent player. I think he's better than Cedric, in my opinion. But um, and obviously, fifty grand a week is better than seventy-five. But yeah, I I I know what you're saying. Um, Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Well, I think Cedric is a it would be a decent player in another league, and and on another team, in a slower league like Italy. Yeah, I don't think he's terrible. He's he's not worth what he's on here. And you're yeah, not gonna, 100%. And you're not, you're not going to get a team that has actual money 
to give money for him. All the teams that are going to be interested in this player like Cedric, aren't, you're not going to be the ones that can afford to either pay his wage and pay, um, you know, the type of money that he's, that he's currently on. And so ultimately you have to ask whether, you know, somebody like Cedric, who's on that money, are they interested in taking a pay cut just to go play? Maybe they are, maybe they're not. And I don't know how that guy's wired, but he's obviously, you know, he signed a deal. He's obviously entitled to, to see it out as he sees fit. But I don't know. I feel like I'd want to play and I, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what his situation, maybe the pay cuts so that he's looking at would be so severe that, that he's just like, I can't reasonably do that. And that makes sense too. Um, you know, footballers have short careers compared to the rest of us. And so yeah. I can totally get wanting to maximize you know, what, what you can earn over the course of that contract. And so, you know, maybe what he's looking at or teams are interested at half of what he's making. And he's like, I can't reasonably do that. And that I can't, I can't fault him for that. No, if but I think, I think on any and Suarez, I think both their contracts are finished at, in the end of the season. So I think it's just a case of, well, I think, I think the decision might be slightly easier where he might say, well, okay, I've only got six months left on my contract. How much money am I really losing? Maybe, I don't know, a million, 1.5, something like that. So, you know, if you sign, if you sign a long-term deal, let's say, um, for, I don't know, two-thirds of that money uh, in Turkey or something for, for like three years, then you might say, well, it's more guaranteed money. So, okay, I'll just, you know, I'll go. But well, I don't think... Although, actually, let me just add something else as well. Um, I've actually I've read today on X that Marseille want to buy Nuno Tavares from us, but Nottingham Forest don't want to let him go. He's on a season-long loan. Um, so that'll be interesting if we can come. Basically, Nottingham Forest want, want like a fee to basically uh, give us back Tavares so that we can sell him to Marseille, which... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think that, I don't think we're going to do that. So, so that's another little transfer thing that I heard on X. I had seen that with Marseille and Tavares. I feel like we should, club should just put recall clauses in all of their loans, just so you don't have a team that can actually hold you hostage over that. But you've done another excellent segue here, Alex, because the last thing we wanted to talk about. Uh, was the Nottingham Forest preview? So we've got to actually have a game tomorrow. That's exciting, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Arsenal is back. This weekend was. I know that there were a lot of sports going on, but still, it was rough. It's nothing like the Arsenal, though, is it really? Yeah, everything else is is a bit of a poor substitute. Especially, it is hard watching the FA Cup happen when Arsenal's not in it. I yeah, that's our cup. Just, I find it hard to care. There's you know, <laughs> great underdog stories that we could talk about, and those are those are awesome, you know, magic of the cup moments and all that. But I, I do find it difficult to really get into when the Arsenal's not involved. So let's talk Forest. Uh, at the city ground, that game happening, you know, in the next 36 hours or so. What do you expect from this one? Well, 
uh, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, we lost this game last season away to Forest. So, look, I, I, I'm expecting a better performance than last season. Let's, let me put it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I like but, it when you set the bar low. Yeah, well, listen, uh, it was pretty low last season to lose 2-0 away at Forest. So the only way you can go is up, in my opinion. Um, but obviously, you know, after coming up for 5-0 victory against Crystal Palace, I think confidence will be high. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely... I definitely think that we're going to probably go there and look. Three three points is a must. I, however you want to, however we get it, whether it's one nil or five nil, uh, you know, for me we need the three points. Unfortunately, the games against West Ham and um, uh, who else did we face? I can't remember. Uh, Fulham. Fulham. That's the one. Unfortunately, those uh, games happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, those games and the results of those games have put us in a position where this is a must win, you know? So the pressure is on. It's a must win if we want to stay in the title race. Yeah, I think um, it feels everything's going to feel like that going forward, right? I mean, yeah, you made your mistakes if you you can't make any more at this point. Yeah, which absolutely. is yeah. not an ideal position. No, it's not. You know, yeah. No, if I mean, even if we had won one of those games against West Ham and Fulham, uh, that would probably have given us a slightly bit more leeway, which to tell you the truth, I probably would have used on different fixtures rather than this one. I still think this game is a must win, but I just think the pressure is now even more high and just more, a lot more focus on this game. If we want to stay in the title race, we have to win this game Um, because then obviously the game after that, which is Liverpool at home, that becomes an even bigger game. But it also means that if we win this game there and we say, let's say we beat Liverpool, uh, then we're only two points behind Liverpool. Uh, so that then all of a sudden means that, okay, we are really back in this race now. Two points is nothing, really. And I think, if I'm being honest, we're probably better off being chasers rather than being chased. So mm-hmm. if we are there or thereabouts and we're one, two, three points off the top, but we're you know sort of just in and about... I think that's probably our best chance of actually winning the the league. On the one hand, I agree with you that we haven't actually been very good when being chased. The only issue that I might take with that is that Liverpool and City are very good front runners. 100%. I'm I'm actually just going off um, the history of, of Arsenal. You know, I remember, I can't remember what year it was, but it might have been nine, was it 99? Oh. Or it might have been even two thousand. We had a we had a, quite a big lead, and we gave it up to Man United. Um, so uh, yeah, it just it seems to be something that we do not do well in. If we are not the front runners, if, sorry, if we are not chasing, um, uh, yeah, we we struggle. I, I agree. Feel, I do agree. I would just feel better if we were chasing worse front runners. <laughs> that's my that's my <laughs> yeah no because obviously yeah we look we know. We know Liverpool and particularly Man City, they can go on a 10, 12 game winning streak and just say, yeah, you're not getting this league title. Sorry. Um, but at the same time, this that's the position we're in. You know, we, we lost those two games and now we are chasing. So it's like we, we've only got ourselves to blame anyway. 100%. I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly the case. You put yourself in this position. Now you got to get yourself out of it. Um, Forest currently sitting 16th. 
but they're pretty good at the city ground. They're a reasonable team there. Uh, three wins, three draws, four losses, but a goal differential of, of only minus one. They're not a particularly easy team to play there. And when you look at some of the top line statistics, uh, you know, they average about 40% possession. They're going to sit back. It looks like based on, you know, based on the numbers, based on having watched them play a few times. This to me looks like another chance to really test what was happening in Dubai, right? We talked about this last week. Uh, we talked about the Palace game that we got the we got the set piece goal early, and so the game all of a sudden maybe wasn't a referendum on you know the Dubai training camp and whether it solved some of the problems that that this team have had. This looks like another chance for that to happen, another chance for to sort of test out: Can you break down the low block? Can you you know? Can you unlock a team that has, you know, thrown everything, you know, 10 behind the ball and all that kind of stuff? It it looks like this could be another one of those. So what are you expecting to see from that perspective? Just how, how do you expect the game to play out? Not necessarily, obviously not in, in a score, pers- you know, not, I'm not asking for a scoreline, but what do you expect this game to look like as we watch it? You know, it could in some ways look actually very similar to the Crystal Palace game. I think you will, you know, we'll probably have 60% possession. The only difference will be is that I think because Forest are at home, they may be slightly more clinical in front of goal. You know, there were a couple of chances that we gave away against Crystal Palace where if they had scored, it would have probably changed the game a little bit, at least the feeling of the game. Um, but I think there'll be something very similar where, yeah, as you mentioned, Forest will sit back and we will have possession most likely, and they'll probably try and get us on the counter. Uh, I, yeah, you know, for me, I, I would love to see us do some of some similar things that we did in Crystal Palace, particularly getting uh, the likes of Forest on the break. You know, if if we could score a goal that's very similar to the one that we scored with Trossard, um, then I would love that because that one because obviously. They, I, I love this just because of the speed and the accuracy and just the finishing. It's always they're always brilliant. Those goals are always brilliant to watch. But it would tell me that Arteta, his staff, you know, his coaches, they've actually they've gone away. They've gone to Dubai and they've they've actually worked on other things. You know, they've said, okay, we're kind of being found out under in possession or like, or not being found out, but we just, we can't seem to break down the low blocks as well as we would like. So this is what we're going to do. You know, when, when we have, well, when the opposition has a corner or whenever they've got a free kick into the box or whatever, uh, the plan is for us, we're going to break and we're going to break quick. Um, and let's see, let's see what happens. I mean, that, that's how I think the game's going to go though. I think the game will be 60, 40% possession to Arsenal and we'll probably have more shots, hopefully a few more on target than what's been probably the average this season. Um, and yeah, Forrest will try and get us in the break or score, a, you know, a scratchy goal maybe from a corner or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think they might have a little trouble scoring. Uh, they've scored 26 all season. 
Uh, that's 14th, but two of their top three scorers potentially out of this one, uh, Elanga and Awani. If I'm pronouncing, I don't think I'm pronouncing it right. Um, that's two of their top three scorers. Chris Wood is their top scorer with eight, but three of those came against Newcastle. Uh, two of those came against Luton, so he's not exactly been prolific in terms of spreading those goals around. Maybe if he gets one, that means you're in trouble, but they could have trouble scoring in this one. Uh, Morgan Gibbs-White might be their most dangerous player now, given they have a pretty extensive uh, sort of injury list at the moment, and I don't know really know the disposition of all of those injuries, so I'm just kind of going on on what I looked at, but um, I think it will be difficult to counter against them if only because I don't think they're going to be all that interested in doing much attacking. I think that they're going to be the trying to hit us on the counter. And so I think that they'll be very happy to sit back and let us have possession. And I don't think that as a club, we're interested in sort of playing that way. If, if the opposition wants to give us the ball, I, I think that we will take it. And I, so I think that we might see, a, I, I, am, I think we're more likely to see a pattern where they're trying to counter us and that they're not interested in holding on to, the, on to possession enough to give us many counterattack opportunities. I think instead it's, it's probably probably a very familiar pattern and so that's why i say it might this might be the the referendum on on the dubai trip because if you don't get a set piece goal early we did against palace a couple of set piece goals in that one the first two but then then you see what this team has learned about breaking down teams that that come into a game with maybe the sole purpose of not being broken down so I think that I, to the extent that, that I, I maybe see it a little bit differently, I think that the pattern that emerges might be that sort of familiar one. But we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget, um, you know, the, the two set-piece goals that Gabriel scored against Crystal Palace. You know, we, it, I think it's clear that that's obviously, I mean, look, we're number one ranked in the league for set-piece goals this season. So... It's likely that we'll see Marcepi's goal. You know that could very well be an option. Um, yeah, look, it's hard to really say. You know, if it wasn't for the West Ham Fulham games, I'd probably have more confidence in us scoring the odd. You know, I guess the way that we want to, and the way Mikel Arteta wants us to try and play with possession and sort of tap the ball into the uh, into the goal. But I don't know. It's just. After what happened in those two games, I feel like Arteta is probably trying to find different solutions. He wants to try and control the game, obviously, with possession. But if we're not going to score, if we're, if we're going to not have uh, enough accurate shots on target based on our possession and us and us controlling the game, then it's. I think you know he's, he's probably tried to find ways from set pieces, corner um, corners into the box, and then breaking. Uh, you know with David Raya and his accuracy on the ball, being able to find the likes of Jesus or, you know, Martinelli on the wings or up front by just throwing the ball or, or from, from a, a kick. So, yeah, uh, different solutions. 
not on a bad thing. You know, it means that we've got other things that we can use that are in our, no pun intended, that are in our arsenal. Um, and yeah, just to be honest, Sean, we just got to find ways to win games at this point. Like we can't have games like West Ham and Fulham where we just, you know, especially especially Fulham where we didn't show up. You know, that was a shocking performance and we just can't have that. We've got to try and find ways to win. That's what champion teams do. They find, even when they perform poorly, they find ways to win. And ultimately, this game is a must win because it's what gives the Liverpool game importance come the weekend. If you lose this one and you fall that, you know, that much farther behind Liverpool, you're, you're close to, you know, writing the title race off. This game and winning this game gives Arsenal the right to say that they're in it if they win the Liverpool game as well. And I think that that that's the importance of this one and, and obviously why you can't look past it. It's an easy game to potentially look past in terms of, you know, we've got a uh, what's potentially a much, much bigger, more important, more glamorous fixture at the weekend. But if you lose this one, then that one becomes far, far less important. So I would assume that, that the squad will be focused. Uh, I think that Arteta is generally pretty good at that sort of thing about not looking too far ahead and understanding the importance of the day-to-day and the importance of smaller, to use in air quotes, or smaller games. So hopefully he's got the boys up for this one. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? I think we're I think we're about talked out, especially given that their Arsenal didn't play this past weekend. Not really. No, I think um, like I said, just must win. Got to bring the three points home. Keeps us in with a shout. And yeah, onto onto Liverpool at home. You know that's a big game. So let's go out there and try and do the best we can. Obviously, try and win that game. And then we're definitely still within a shout of, of winning the league. We didn't talk about this, but I'm gonna go ahead and put you on the spot. Give me a uh, what's your score line for tomorrow or for that for that game? Could be I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna go three-one Arsenal. Okay, and because it's an away game, I figure we'll get the clean sheet. I've got three-nil Arsenal. So. You talk like somebody who's not confident, but then your scoreline, that betrays your real confidence. That's what that's what you think is going to happen. I, I happen to agree. I still think that th- there's too much. that This team should swat aside even a team that's decent at home. You have to take care of business. You have to make the Liverpool game mean something. And I think that, I think that the, the team goes on and gets that done. So, anything else, Alex? Are we are we happy? Are we, are we feeling? I'm I know happy, you said man. you're not feeling confident, but I'm looking at this. I think you feel a little bit confident. Look, I'm feeling optimistic. <laughs> there optimistic. we go. Yeah. All right, sounds good. I'm feeling optimistic myself. It's a brand new week. Anything can happen. Uh, we will be back, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. We're working on getting uh, regular recording times. We're working on getting. Uh, the rest of the team back on air, as it were. But regardless, someone will be back sooner rather than later, and we'll be able to talk about this game and and 
by the time we record again, we might have actually played Liverpool. Maybe we have two games to talk about. Hopefully we're talking about six points earned this week. But thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'd love it if you could give us a like, a subscribe, a review, anything you can do to help us out. We're trying to grow the pod a little bit. Uh, or actually would love to grow the pod a lot. And But that's, you know, that's a journey of a thousand miles and a single step kind of thing. So, um, you know, give us a little bit of love if you can, if you if you know people that are looking for another Arsenal podcast list to, uh, you know, give us a recommendation. Word of mouth obviously makes a huge difference. But any help that you could give us, uh, we'd appreciate greatly. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining today. Uh, really enjoy talking with you and listening to your insight. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, the rest of you have a lovely whatever the rest of it is that uh, you have. If it's an evening, if it's a morning, if it's a daytime or a nighttime. Thank you very much. Take care and we will talk to you soon.